0: Welcome to PSR, another edition of uh, People Speaking Rail. And just like a precision scheduled railroad, we start this precisely at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central Time on Thursday afternoon. I'm one of your hosts, Mike bowden I'm the head of intermodal solutions here at Freightwaves. Work primarily on the data side, I'm joined with my colleague, Joanna Marsh, who does the writing um, on the editorial side of the railroads. Joanna, you've been really busy writing about uh, the CP-KCS merger
1: yeah there's uh the 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 um what do you call it now the final environmental impact statement came out on friday and that's kind of one of the the last things that uh you know that that needed to process um through in order for the surface transportation board to to render its decision um i don't know when exactly they they will issue the decision um uh but uh it could be fairly soon so you know now that that um uh, environmental impact statement is out there so
0: yeah maybe within the next month is, is that your understanding
1: i'm sorry what, what did you say
0: so, sometime within the next month or so is that, is that your understanding of when they could issue a final yeah, uh, ruling? Possibly.
1: i mean yeah possibly i, I think I, I had read somewhere that it could be sometime within the next month but it really is kind of um i, I think they 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 do have they do have a timetable um, out there? I'd have to go back and look um, and see where what exactly is. So you know they can't draw it out for for too too much longer. I mean they can't you know issue a decision in July or August. Um, uh, so, uh, so it could be, you know, within next month. Um, I know Ken, Canadian Pacific has said, um, your Keith Creel, the president and CEO of CP, um, has said that he has been anticipating a, a decision within the first quarter of this year. So, you know, it could be, what is it like early February? So we still got a, a little bit of time, but, um, but yeah, so now it's just now the balls in the STB's court to see what, you know, what they decide. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you, you outline the, the EIS, this Environmental Impact Study, in your article. And so this consists of a volume one that describes analysis and findings, which it was 401 pages on the SDB site. It also includes a volume two that gathers relevant information to prepare the document. That's 4,880 pages. And there's also a volume three that summarizes in response to the public comments. And that summary of the comments is 447 pages for a total of 5,728 pages. I trust you have fully read and digested all of that in preparation for your article.
1: Oh, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you know, as a, as an aside, I think, you know, if, if anyone has insomnia, um, they can just kind of pick up, <laughs> pick up a file and just start reading. And you know, hopefully, I'm not to say that the merger is boring, but, you know, <laughs> but 5,000 pages worth, uh, it might be a bit much. So, and then if, uh, and then if you actually do read through the whole thing and you find you know, the birds chirping in the morning, then then God bless you. So, um, yeah, so th- it's, it's pretty exhaustive. Um, and especially, I think this, you know not to say the past haven't met but the, but this particular service transportation board has um been pretty thorough about um uh look looking at at this merger and 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 also um just just in general uh um just being kind of more meticulous i guess and you know, you have the the hearings that you know sort of start out as being a day or two and then they kind of go on for um five or seven days or or a month as was the case with um uh, CSX Norfolk Southern and, um, Pan Am. Oh no, sorry, not Pan Am. Sorry. Um, I'm saying and Amtrak, excuse me, um, down in, um, Louisiana and, uh, in Alabama. So that was, I think took over a month, but, uh, back going back to, um, CP KCS. Um, yeah, that was a lot of material to go through. So, um, so I guess uh, I guess kudos to the Office of Environmental Analysis for, for compiling all of that.
0: And if we were to summarize the summary, essentially what the findings was is that the, the EIS concluded that, quote, most of the potential adverse impacts of the merger, including impacts on grade crossing delays and emergency vehicles, would be negligible, minor, and or temporary. And then you go in to describe how Uh, that this would impact potentially adverse noise pollution. And it just sort of strikes me, you sort of put those two things together, that the noise pollution is something that can be mitigated. My understanding is that the railroads are under kind of these orders to not blow whistles in the middle of the night. If you're going through an urban area, they can do that sort of in a non, you know, in the middle of nowhere, or they can do it during the the daytime hours, but three o'clock in the morning, right next to, bunch of apartment buildings, they're not supposed to blow their horn and, and, and wake everyone up. It, it just seems like this deal isn't going to be held up because of noise pollution. And then it seemed like for the most part that, you know, the, the organization writing this was was fairly, um, you know, satisfied with a lot of the mitigation measures that were going to be put into, into place, like the, you know, extending, you know, passing sightings. I think they referenced, what was it, 25 different locations along the combined network that would include adding you know double track um, and so my conclusion is if you, if you weren't already confident that the surface transportation board was going to approve this merger, you're more confident now. Did you have the same uh, take
1: yeah I, I I think so. I mean I you know it, to to have the noise pollution factor kind of reiterated as kind of the the sole or the the big main. Um, finding uh, from the environmental impact statement. So there was a draft statement that was published in October, I believe. Um, And then you had um, all these public comments coming in um, from around that time, Probably, I think maybe before then, uh, you know, there was a there was a public hearing on the merger as well, and so you had a lot of um, local communities coming in from Chicago and Houston, kind of talking about um, the effects of the merger, and then of course you had the Class One Railroads kind of talking about you know how they felt about the merger, and so um, and and so you have that as a backdrop, and then and then of course the the Office of Environmental Analysis, you know. Go, you know, gets back into its huddle and kind of uh, works on the final version and the final version still kind of um, comes out with the same conclusion in terms of the noise pollution. And and I mean, I think that um, for, uh, you know, I, I think Canadian Pacific, you know, I, I'm not, entirely sure like what specific um, remedies they have to address noise pollution, you know, beyond Um, I'm sure that there are remedies and I'm sure that they're talking to local communities about it. But I think for, for that to be the, the, the main, um, uh, thing blocking the potential merger. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I mean, CP is going to do all that it can, you know, now that's, you know, gone like 90% of the way, um, to make sure that the merger happens <laughs> and try to do as if they need to convince anymore, um, the, any uh, board members or they're probably, you know, I'm sure that that's, uh, you know, the, the, the end of the race is near. And so, you know, to, to mm-hmm. quit now, um, You know, it's just kind of although that said, um, Canadian Pacific also had their their quarterly earnings um, and they did speak about the merger quite a bit. But um, but it wasn't, uh, in my opinion, it the 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 dialogue was uh, kind of cautious in terms of like, well, let's let's wait and see. Well, what happened? The analyst had Wall Street analysts that asked questions about, um, you know, what what do you think the operating ratio will be with the two companies? Like, what do you, um, what sort of like revenue targets do you see with the two companies? So they're trying to figure out like what a merged company might look like financially, and and uh, and and the executives on the call kind of kept deflecting those questions and be like, well, we'll just wait and see. We, you know, we can't say right now because you know the merger hasn't happened yet. So um, taking kind of that cautious stance.
0: Yeah, which I think is smart. I mean, I think it seems like most of the railroads have have had less guidance than they typically would have, maybe in light of the economic uh, situation, but also um, you know a lot of the, the cost pressures that they're seeing. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, that other article in a, in a second here, but just one other thing that um, that came up from from some of your articles is it was interesting that the largest increase in traffic was supp- supposedly going to be between Kansas city and Sabula Iowa. I had to look up Sabula, Iowa. That's on the Mississippi river, mm-hmm. just East of Cedar Rapids. And, you know, that was part of the, I think the idea all along was to have fewer trains go on that part that Canadian national, um, said that CP should have to divest. That goes through, uh, sort of central and Southern Illinois, uh, through like Bloomington, Illinois, and and because so that after the merger, more of those trains are going to be routed to that further northward route, going through Iowa um, onward to Chicago. Um, but what was interesting also was that there's this quote that says it was in the, the EIS that said, you know, alternative um, if the board were to deny the, the the CP to acquire KCS under the no uh, under that alternative they anticipate that the rail traffic would only increase on the CP and KCS network as a result of, uh, of general economic growth. So um, and because they wouldn't have this sort of the planned capital investments that they would that they would normally um, that they would have under the merger, because it sounds like they almost like they were getting out in front of requirements to um, to add uh, you know capital uh, to the to the capital plan to support the merger. So I thought I that thought those things were, were interesting sort of, give, sort of sort of further further bolsters the thought that this is likely to be approved uh, fairly quickly and then the other thing I thought was was interesting is is I didn't see anything in, in your article I don't know if you saw it in the in the primary material about much about Houston, which was I think a concern uh, that some of the the companies raised that there would be just more congestion in Houston as a result of the deal. Did you see anything on, on that?
1: Yeah, they, they did mention Houston um, in the um, the final statement. And I think the, the challenges with Houston is that um, while KCS does... You know, pass through the region. Um, a lot of the net network um, is actually um, operated by Union Pacific, and and I believe you know BNSF is you know there's they fit in there somewhere as some, you know somewhere as well. And so mm-hmm. um, you have uh, so a lot of the the issues that the communities mm-hmm. raised um, were um, you can't just kind of isolate the chaos. KCS and sort of, you know, you kind of have to look at it with all the other um, rail activity that's going on there. And so I think that's, that's kind of what they were saying. Although I guess, um, you know, it 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 raised, um, you know, it, it raised a flag in terms of, uh, or it sort of gave a spotlight, I should say, to, to the area saying, you know, this is potentially, you know, something to, to look at later on in terms of, um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, sort of environmental impacts, but like I said, there's mm-hmm. a. It's not just KCS there. There's Union Pacific, and so it's just like, you know, how do you, how do you mitigate those factors, you know, with multiple rail lines?
0: Yeah, I think that's right, and so a lot to be worked out there. Um, yeah, I want to move on and just talk a little bit about your other uh, CP article. This one's called Canadian Pacific Ready to Roll on Kansas City Southern uh, you know, merger. So th- this one, you go into talking about how there's been some some tests be- with the with the interline, you know, basis. So you're talking about a temperature controlled train going from the Midwest to Laredo in three days. That'd be competitive with 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 truckload. If you think about it, you know, a truckload can go about 500 miles in in a day. If you can do it on the rail in three days, you're probably uh, you know, competitive. Depending on where in the Midwest you, you're you're located, and then you know, also talked about some se- service sensitive products from the Upper Midwest into Canada. That sounds to me like agriculture. And then you bring up a good point that CP is heavily weighted in the in the bulk side, sort of 40% of the business, bulk of businesses bulk. That would include things like grain, but also uh, potash um, always sort of, sort of has been, was part of the reason years ago why they located the headquarters uh, to Western uh, Canada. And sort of all of those things, um, you know, is, is, is that a case to be made that the uh, revenue segment that's going to be most impacted is going to be sort of the the, the bulk franchise, um, you know, moving grain across border, or do you think um, maybe the bigger impact we're ultimately going to see would be more intermodal and and, and automotive uh, with, with the with the merger?
1: Right, right, right. I think um, if it, you know if if I was CP, I would say both. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I I think uh, obviously you know the on on one hand you have you know bulk um, the the executives on the on the call um, the other day, was kind of saying, you know, you know, bulk is, has helped us um, through quarterly earnings and, and, and we'll um, find continued support from them in, in 2023. And so the, just the way that their business is constructed um, there's just, just uh, more, um, bulk business, I guess. But, um, but I think, you know, they've, you know, KCS or CP has, has always also been touting, you know, the potential for those, those intermodal movements or those, um, uh, like those refrigerated move, you know, like the, 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 service, um, more service intensive, um, uh, moves, um, from, from to and from you know Mexico and and through Chicago and and into Canada and you know back again um and of course you know the uh the um the, the port that's on um the west coast of Mexico um they also um <laughs> I should know this and I don't remember. Uh, Lazaro, <laughs> they, Lazaro cardinal. Yeah, yeah, Lazaro. Because I'm like, I oh, keep thinking Laredo. And I'm like, no, it's not Laredo because Laredo's on the border. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah. So uh, you know, they they keep touting that as well as a not to necessarily, you know, um take significant volumes from Southern California, but sort of as an alternative. So um but they have um CPE and KCS have been kind of running test runs. Um they mentioned it in the fourth quarter earnings, but they also did mention it in in prior earnings calls as well. At least I think in the third quarter. So they've been doing it for a while, and I think they're just kind of growing. Um, you know, that the, the, their test runs are just yeah. So
0: yeah, I, I, I sort of agree. Sort of all of the above. Uh, I want to move on to this next article that you wrote. So this one called Iowa bill seeks to limit length of freight trains. So you put this out um, a Tuesday. January 31st, legislation would restrict train speeds to 8,500 feet. And this seems to me like this could potentially be a pretty big deal if this were to go through the legislative process. Um, Some trains as long as three miles, longer trains could not block crossings, et cetera. And it just seems like, well, it's an issue if you have one state in the middle of the country that has a restriction on the length of trains. Yeah, that almost you, any trains going through there would have to, you know, comply with that. And you, you sort of, uh, you know, worry if you're the railroads that all these different states would pass different laws about the different lengths of trains. Um, with PSR, has been one of the big pushes has been to elongate the trains uh, to enhance uh, cost efficiency. It was interesting that. At Harris, at Canadian National this last earnings call talked about shortening the trains in the idea of improving the customer experience, um, you know just doing it according to a schedule, even if the train is not as long as, as, as it typically would be, almost you know reversing that, that, that trend. but um, yeah, I wanted to see if you had any other uh, other thoughts on is it, is it feasible for some states to just have all of these different different laws and it can, it can all be sort of piecemeal that the, the, the trains are going to have to comply with, you know, almost the, the, whoever has the, the regulation for the shortest train, if, you know, assuming that it goes through a number of States.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was kind of, that, I thought that was a, like, a, that was an interesting bill um, as you um, had, had said um, just because, you know, because you hear about the, the bills for, the train crew sizes having at least two, two, two crew members, um, sort of, uh, in various states. And then of course you have the, the national, um, regulation that's being considered by the Federal Railroad Administration, but to have a build on, on train lengths, um, that's, that was kind of intriguing. (laughs) It kind of makes me wonder just Mm -hmm. personally, like if, if that's, you know, if that, uh, is something that other states, you know, could consider. Take up as well if if you find um, someone um, who would be willing to to draft legislation on that. I think partly you know because of the merger between you know the the presumed merger between Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern, and you have um, you know the the traffic going through Iowa. um, You know there 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 is that concern. Like I I think that kind of. was one of the factors perhaps of 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 why the uh why the bill was introduced um although it was actually introduced i think a, in a prior um legislative term as well so but that is interesting that that's kind of you know that this that's a state issue and and again like you know where where will um uh if if it becomes a bigger issue and 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 if so like you know where will it you know where will the state versus like federal like <laughs> which which one will trump which <laughs> you know in terms of like you know the the cross border uh cross state border commerce versus you know state um you know which one will preempt which i guess so we'll i don't know we'll see what happens
0: yeah cuz you you wrote a similar article the other week was it about ohio that they wanted to have some um you know say over I guess trains idling at crossings also. And it's probably for the same motivation that they just don't want to have the crossings blocked um, to impair first responders um, and the like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. The, um, the crossings issue and I guess, yeah, the longer trains is kind of just another way of going about Mm -hmm. it. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the crossings issue. And then I think there, I need to, check what's going on with it, with on it. But there, you know, there were those States that were, um, you know, s- asking the Supreme court to consider, um, you know, the, the, whether, you know, States should, can, can, regulate, you know, rail crossings. Um, and I'm not sure where, I think the, there's some sort of activity that's supposed to happen sometime in February, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, it's, funny cuz in a past life when i had to cover freight rail for another company i we didn't really write about blocked crossings because um because that wasn't really it was seen as more tangential to uh to sort of freight rail issues but uh mm-hmm. but um but it's just such a um you know there's just a lot of community uh momentum towards addressing oh. that and then of course you have the, the 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 trucking side of it that you know doesn't like block crossings either so
0: yeah i don't think anyone anyone does but it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, shakes out so want to move on to the next topic here intermodal volume starts the year slowly i think that's uh, fair to say the aar data shows that january was intermodals worst um, january in a decade so so yeah i think it's fair to say pretty slow Total volume uh, when you include sort of total unit volume, including rail car loads, intermodal units, and trailers declined 3.2%. You sort of break that down, car loads down 2.2% year-over-year in January, intermodal units down 8.1% when you include both containers and trailers. And in sonar, we can break that down in the various segments, have a chart on domestic intermodal there. So domestic intermodal, it actually hasn't been too bad. You sort of see, well, okay, yes, it's below where we were in 2022 and 2021. Those were coming off very strong peak seasons during those, uh, the, the prior falls really wasn't a peak season in 2022, which you can see on the green on the right there, how that sort of tailed off. And now we're kind of in line with uh, 2020, February 2020. Um, so we'll start to face, you know, easier comps, you know, you go back to, you know, the three year comparison uh, there, but certainly showing some some slowness, uh, you know. There, um, t- t- turning to the next one, uh, the international intermodal container volume. This one has been weak for really a number of months. You sort of go back to um, you know in in green there in 2021, and that's really started to, to sort of fall off during um, you know late 2021. You know during that period of time, there was more transloading from international containers into domestic containers, and then last year. It's fell off in the second half of the year, again, with the decline in imports and is still sort of weak, also kind of down mid-single digits on the international uh, container side of things. So those would be your 40-foot containers and 20-foot uh, containers. But really where the, the, the big weakness is, turning into this, this next sonar chart, is the total intermodal trailers. Now, we all know this is a declining... Market, but uh, this is really what's driving a lot of that. Um, you know, 8% and change weakness in January are the trailers. Those are down about 30% from last year. And, um, you know, this, this market saw signs of life in 2020. You see, in orange, was it was kind of a weird situation where truckload market tightened up. This was being impacted positively uh, during the pandemic uh, year, uh, the worst of the pandemic year uh, when. when uh, there was tight trucking capacity, especially sort of late in that year, you see in orange, uh, but now trucking capacity loosened up. Not as much call for intermodal trailers uh down 30%. So uh, a big drop uh there, and, and I think just really reflects that um you know there's looseness in the in the highway. You know, some of the articles we talked about on freight waves have talked about how. There's been the demand for, for truckload in January, maybe a little bit better than expectations, but those expect, expectations were really low based on what we were seeing in uh, January or not in, in uh, November, December, um, really didn't have a peak season there uh, you know either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that is a little bit of what's happened in intermodal, want to ask you, Joanna, we have about 30 seconds left. What are you working on uh, the next week that to look forward to?
1: Yeah, well um I think I, I will be working on well granted, you know, BNSF uh via Berkshire half the way still has to release their fourth quarter results, but I think kind of looking at um what sort of the big themes were um from the earnings calls with the class one railroads, they've all reported their results. Um and there's actually a lot of uh, common common up, you know, common themes throughout them all. Um that sort of economic uncertainty um kind of kind of uh, being the backdrop of, the, of
0: everything. So Great. Well, we'll look forward to that and uh, see everyone next week on PSR.